What's up, everybody? I am your host, Chris Hampton. Welcome to the Power Company Podcast, brought to you by PowerCompanyClimbing.com. Conditions are getting better. The season is maybe not quite here in a lot of places, but also in a lot of places it is. Right now in Lander, Wyoming, it's feeling quite nice, quite enjoyable. The aspens are changing and are yellow and orange right now, and Frankly, it all just makes me happy. So right now, I'm shifting a little bit from super full-on work mode. Um, not because I have to, but largely because I'm, I just love the work I've been doing lately. So I'm more psyched on that than I have been on climbing. But the weather is getting me outside more and more and more. And it's, you know, that kind of thing builds its own momentum. So... I'm rolling with it. In fact, I'm headed out there shortly, so I'm going to keep this short, which is how you'd like it anyway. In July of 2020, uh, I released an episode somewhere around episode 176, I think, with my good friend Devin Dabney. And this was a, a conversation we recorded a couple of years prior. Um, he had been talking about starting a podcast that discussed social issues in climbing. And during the pandemic, everything came front and center that he had already been thinking about, considering, and wanting to talk about. Lots of people who listened to that podcast reached out and said, please, Devin, start your own podcast. We need it. Now it's out there. The American Climbing Project is beautifully done. And while being ridiculously entertaining because that's what Devin leans toward all the time. It's also incredibly educational. And I think that's a massive value when you put those two together. So this past summer, Devin came out to visit. We sat down. We recorded this episode about the process of putting together, conceptualizing, putting together um, and getting the feedback from the American Climbing Project. All right, let's get into it. The fact that none of us have it figured out is not a bad thing. It is the thing. If we had it figured out, I wouldn't be having these conversations. There would be no point. Talk, you gotta go outside. <laughs> That's <laughs> Bree, don't look at me. <laughs> I don't know why. Oh my god, you just I just start laughing for no reason. <laughs> I think that's been the theme of 
the past few days though so. dude yeah seriously i don't i can't uh i can't take any more laughing like my obliques are, are shredded you would think that it would be like you know like the middle like i don't know i'm not a doctor but the my core like what i would consider to be the front but it's not it's my sides that are sore yeah oh my gosh it's good though it's been like I don't think I've laughed that much on a like or this much on like a climbing trip in a long time, which that's is really, good. That's how climbing trips should be. That's what I was. That's what <laughs> I think, too. Yeah, I think like it's been a good reminder, especially after like not climbing for so long and, and having the time to like reflect on it and just remembering that this is like supposed to be fun and that like, um, I don't know that like. I, and it's not to say that you can't take it seriously, but I just remember that like I try my hardest and I like do the best when I don't really care. And that I'm it's just like in between you asking me best five rap albums of all time and stuff like that, right, you know. Right. Well, and I think I mean, you might see it differently, but I feel like this trip for you is a bit of like celebration in huh. the. American Climbing Project episode one. Wow. Dropped. And you're like, I'm going on a trip. Well, now that you say that, I kind of see it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think of it that way before. It was much more like, okay, episodes, episode one's out. Let me like not over focus on this and not be hypercritical and take my mind off of it by like going on a trip with my friends. But yeah. now I can totally see what you're saying. Cause in a way, I think the hard part's over. I think like all the preparation that went into it was definitely the hard part. And like now that it's in existence, now it's just like rinse and repeat. And like the conversation started basically. Right. Um, well, I want to I wanna dig into that because you and I sat down to record a conversation like three or four years ago or something. Yeah, yeah. And that conversation was was predicated on us talking the night before and you telling me, I've been thinking about a podcast, talking about social issues and climbing, yeah. and and you weren't really sure about it. And I was like, well, tomorrow I'm going to put a microphone in your face <laughs> and we're going to talk about it. And, and then I'm going to put it out into the world at some point to hold you accountable. Yeah. And, and it took a long time for that episode to come out. Mm -hmm. I think it came out when it was right for it to come out. A hundred percent. And I got lots of feedback from people saying, Devin Dabney needs to do a podcast. That's cool. That's nice to hear, especially because like, I feel like everyone has a podcast and that was one of the reasons why it took me so long is I didn't want to just be like a, the SoundCloud rapper equivalent of a podcaster. <laughs> you know, where like there's no effort put into it or like any yeah. thought. I just... I just want to make sure that everything I do has a reason. And, you know, I had a reason back then, but I think even the, like thinking about what we talked about four years ago versus now, it's evolved so much, you know, like, I mean, that project really started, I guess, it, I mean, it started last year before uh, the pandemic, uh, me and one of my really close friends, Kat, that I, when I was living out in Oregon, we were starting to record stuff together and um that was really where the american climbing project started was with us two just talking back and forth about different social issues and climbing um and then like 
the pandemic hit and then we like I came back here and it became hard for us to communicate mm. and we weren't able to like record together. So then I kind of like let it go um, for the time being. And I was like, I'll just when when this is all over, I'll come back. We'll, we'll revisit it. And then um, Rob, uh, he, he gave me a call one day and he was like, I have this idea for a blog and like he was explaining what he wanted it to be about. And it was basically like the blog version of what I wanted to do with Kat. And I was like, why don't we just like combine forces and work on this together? And, yeah. um, and then even after that, it's changed so much, you know, like through between like the process of collecting interviews and like me coming up with like those like comedy skit sketches, I guess you'd call them. Like, yeah. I don't know. Um, it's just been through a lot of iterations very quickly. And I think that it's, it's going to continue to change. What's well, interesting, you say it's been through a lot of iterations very quickly, mm -hmm. and and it has, but there was a lot of thought on the front end oh my of God, it. Yeah, I mean, you had this idea three or four years ago, and then I remember getting a text from you saying, "I'm starting to talk about and think more about this podcast idea," you mm -hmm. know, and I was like, "Okay, I got this episode on deck," you know, just let me know, mm -hmm. and then the pandemic started and mm -hmm. then the uprising really mm -hmm. started. And I think that's when it started uh, looking in from the outside. That's when it started to solidify for you. And you started to Definitely. feel like, okay, this is more than just something I want to do. It's something necessary for the community. Yeah. Yeah. It became, I think initially it was much more in response to being tired of having all climbing media be about training and performance i wasn't really considering i mean Wait, i Devin, was what do you mean what do you well mean? Uh, yeah that's true i mean you don't <laughs> this, ever this talk about podcast. training so the, i mean you could probably talk about training more honestly but <laughs> yeah it wasn't necessarily i don't want to say that it wasn't socially motivated because it was yeah. but i was just like i just wanted a podcast that talked about things like climbing as a couple or like um you know, being a black rock climber or the setting world. Like I just, I just wanted something different. And right. then like you said, I think post uh, pandemic, post um, all of the very publicized police murders, like that is when it became much more of a like collective idea where I wanted it to be something that I helped start, but that ultimately it would, I would give it to the community to, to, continue like yeah. i i don't know i don't want this to be I, I would like to be associated with it like i would like it to be like quote unquote <clears throat> something i created but i'm i'm trying to create it and give it to the climbing community because i think the climbing community needs something like this if that makes sense yeah absolutely and and i i before we get into what the american climbing project is it just occurred to me that when I listened back to our first conversation, mm -hmm. I was surprised by it. I didn't, I, I remembered talking to you about your podcast ideas. What I didn't remember is that when we sat down and we were just mic checking, yeah. my first question was, you know, tell me about yourself while you were sound checking. And you were like, I'm Devin Dabney, I'm a climber. And I immediately said, Do you ever call yourself a black climber? Oh, wow. Yeah. I and when I heard that, I was like, whoa, I don't remember saying that at all. But <laughs> now in the 
in the face of everything that's going on, do you still, A, do you still say climber? Mm-hmm. Do you ever say black climber now? Hmm. What's your, without going too deep into it, what's your identity around climbing right now? I, I still say climber. Um, there was a period where I questioned whether I was a climber, but I realize now that that was because of the very narrow definition <clears throat> that we have as a community around what con- constitutes a climber. Right. Like, it it depends on who you ask, but some people... Well, okay, so there's, like, calling yourself a climber, and then there's, like, a real climber. So, like, of course, there's people who are like, well, you're not a real climber until you climb outside, or you're not a real climber until you climb lead. And then there's, like, you. in order to be a climber, you have to you have to adhere to some strange standard that was set by a bunch of... Completely arbitrary standards. Yeah, yeah. Like, it wasn't like... I, I feel like people think that, like, John Long and, and Bridwell and all them were like, how? Wh- what's the climbing... Like, <clears throat> what are we going to be wearing? You know, like, I don't think that it was that intentional. And I'm not, like, saying that they were just, like, being stupid, but I, I just don't think that it's, like... It's treated like the Constitution, where it's like, right. oh, this was written and we, we cannot change it because this is how they did it. But I don't think that they were super intentional about, they didn't think like this is what it was going to be, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I think like, and, and it's interesting, I don't actually say Black Climber that much anymore, but I very much am aware of it. And that's like something I am drawn towards, but I don't Have feel... you become more aware of it? Yeah, definitely. You know what? Um, there was a. I was listening to. A, not more aware of it, but maybe perhaps aware of the implications. So I was listening to um, a few people that weren't climbers. They were black outdoor enthusiasts of different kinds. There was a guy that was a fly fisher, and there was this woman that was a hunter and survivalist. And then, uh, um, gosh, I can't remember his last name, but James. Uh, he's a black guy in the Pacific Northwest. Um, but they were talking about, you know, going in the outdoors as a black person. And the the woman that was a hunter was like, I would never go outside without a white person. And it dawned on me that I had never gone on a climbing trip without a white person. And when I tried to think about, would I do it? The answer was, hell no, I wouldn't do it. And that was, that was like very terrifying. Like I I cried because I realized that this thing that I thought was like mine didn't necessarily belong to me or I didn't even like subconsciously feel like it belonged to me. Hmm. Um, so it, it, it's like, I've always been aware of it, but I guess I, w- I felt super naive in that moment where there was all these times that I had joked about like, Oh, like look at all the Confederate flags everywhere or like not getting out of the car here, boy. Like it was like a joke, but I guess that was like my way of, of um, burying the, like i guess the fear that i actually carried so yeah i mean it's a really common method of dealing with discomfort is mm-hmm. joking about it you know trying to make light of this really heavy situation right we're, right we're taught that we're supposed to do that to some degree yeah well i mean in, at some point i mean i can only speak for my experience being black but at some point you have to because otherwise like it would just consume you you wouldn't do right. anything you would right i wouldn't have ever gone climbing if i had always thought of it that way it would have <clears> been too scary i mean it's already scary as it is like it's a it's a very risky sport i mean no matter what like we say safe all the time like i was actually thinking about that yesterday when we were like lining like 
we were bouldering and lined up all these pads. It's like, oh, it's like a gym floor. It's super safe fall. It's not safe (laughs) (laughs) at all. (laughs) Like you can still get seriously injured, but it's, uh, that gets taken for granted too, I think. Um, so never mind all that. Like if you're going to then add a layer of like, oh, by the way, like your skin color makes it even less safe. I don't think it would have appealed to me. Yeah. Well, and I think there are a lot of people out there with these same feelings, thoughts that they're struggling with coming, you know, they're, they're coming into right now. They're starting to think more about it. And Mm -hmm. I, I've talked to so many people who like you just sort of assimilated into this community without, Mm -hmm. without even really consciously realizing that that's what was happening. And, and because of the last year, have really started to think differently about it and analyze mm-hmm. what's actually happening. Yeah. And I think that's where the American Climbing Project comes in as this important voice mm-hmm. that's there for those people to hear, relate to, discuss with. Mm-hmm. So after Rob gets a hold of you talks about this blog you guys are like let's join forces Mm -hmm. you know let's be voltron how (laughs) what did it look like from there what was the process of coming up with this concept um it was a lot of a lot of meetings (laughs) a lot of time spent either on the phone or on google chat just like thinking about how the big, big picture of like how how we wanted this to evolve, like what what sorts of storytelling mechanisms we wanted, because I was very clear that I didn't want it to just be a regular podcast. Like I didn't want it to just be um, me talking to people, like interviewing them, um, because I was very concerned about the message being sticky if that makes sense of like, I wanted it to be something that you enjoyed listening to. And it also just so happened to have really good content. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, I mean, we went, we thought so much about like different ways to do that. And um, all the while I was just, you know, messing around coming up with like these silly comedy things that, um, that I guess in a way kind of did what I used to do, which is make light of a very serious situation so that you can engage with it. Um, because I knew that I wasn't going to get people to listen to it, that I wanted to listen to it if it was all serious. And I'm not saying that like, I'm not saying that that's not a valuable way to communicate, but from the get go, my goal was to be able to reach the vast majority of rock climbers, which I think are mostly white people that are not malignant in their views or like, you know, intentionally causing harm, but perhaps don't understand the perspective of someone else. Um, And I wanted that to carry over to all the topics we do, because, you know, right now we're talking about race, but eventually we want to move to gender. And then we want to move to the setting industry and we want to move to all these other topics. And I want, I want it always to be made with the thought process of you're trying to appeal to someone who isn't hostile, but isn't necessarily like on your side either. Right. And people who, you know, and I, I'm guilty of this as well, where it's easy to get defensive mm-hmm. really quickly 
just just as a reaction to something you don't quite understand. Yeah. And I do think that that humor that you introduce immediately. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> the first thing that you hear in episode one and in coming episodes as well mm-hmm. is this sketch that you've put together that even if it stings a little, you can't help but laugh at it. Yeah. It's, it's so well done, you can't can't tear it apart there there's a lot of truth in it so it's going to sting Mm -hmm. you know no matter how diligent you've been about working on yourself it's gonna it's there's some barbs that are gonna stick (laughs) but then it's also really funny so Mm -hmm. i think that's a genius way of getting people to continue listening and engaging i i hope so because you know the the point of it isn't to like say that people are bad i think it's just to get people to look at themselves and like i really like how you responded to it because you told me that it made you reflect upon what you had done and and go like am i doing enough like is this and i think that's like the never-ending plight of someone who actually cares about other people you're never going to hit a point where you're like i've done enough like right you know like and and so i wish that I wish that more people understood that. I wish more people realized that it's not about feeling like a good person. It's more just about that constant self-analysis and that checking of like, is my perspective the best perspective? You know, like, is are my views still, am I still in line with them? Like, how do I feel about me? How do I feel about my role in all this, you know? Yeah, it's, it's a tough tough thing to impart to people without explicitly saying it mm-hmm. you know without being able to be face to face to them and say hey what if we take a look at it like this instead mm-hmm. it's a tough thing to lead people there yeah especially over the internet where in the last few <laughs> you know few years maybe decade we've been a little conditioned to be defensive and you know there's all this argumentative bullshit mm-hmm. polar opposites that nobody looks at the gray area or the nuance and the arguments yeah. you know oh my god so it's a scary scary place and i know that you've you're a sensitive guy you know you what <laughs> Nuh-uh. i'm like you chris <laughs> you i mean i i am sensitive i just try very hard i've learned my way of survival is to not show it Mm. so i but that's my way of surviving it's not your way of surviving no mine is like roll on my back soft underbelly (laughs) yeah (laughs) show off that i'm vulnerable (laughs) and and i think that makes it all the more admirable that you've been willing to jump into this conversation because you know me jumping into this conversation i i have a suit of armor on most of the time yeah your your armor is a little more penetrable mm-hmm. what were your like talk to me about your insecurities and fears going into this thing how much time do we have? <laughs> we have as much <laughs> as you need. Um, we might have to stay till tomorrow. <laughs> oh my God. It was like, I mean, initially it was the fear of like, can I do this well? 
yeah. you know, like, so yeah. never mind even what we're talking about. It was just like, can I do a good podcast? And I think once we started making it, I realized, oh, this is going to be good. Like, the, it's going to be well done. I'll put it that way. Um, but then, of course, there is the fear of, you know, after that subsided, there was the fear of, like, am I going to be setting myself up for violence? Like, am I going to be... And I and violence comes in lots of forms. So am I going to get attacked by people on the internet? Am I going to... Am I going to be at the crag one day? Like, it was like yesterday when those people recognized you. I was like, I don't know if I want that for this because I don't want some, I don't want some dude being like, listen here, I'm white and I've worked hard my whole life and I don't appreciate right. what you said. Right. Like that. So I'm like, I thought of it that way. But actually, the greatest fear was, was having people who are, quote, on my side, picking apart what I say and, and extracting a really reductive corrosive narrative out of it so like i can't even really tell you exactly what i picture but i'm just picturing like i i say something and then someone like hears it and they like extract a meaning out of it and they're like this obviously is like homophobic or transphobic or or racist in some way and then like that is the message that gets propagated and then the focus gets taken off the fact that like this is supposed to be an intentional but inherently imperfect conversation and then i get labeled as like a racist or a <clears throat> or a transphobe or a homophobic person because something that i said got taken a certain way and there's really no the thing that i've learned is there's no uh you can't escape that I, you can't I, I could i could i could like sit in my room and like analyze every single word perfectly and you will still get someone that will hear it and hear what they want or they'll extract the meaning they want and the internet will propagate it and the internet's undefeated it doesn't like once the internet says something that's it so yeah yeah that that honestly is still my greatest fear is that the people that are on my side um especially the the liberal white people like that is my those people will take what i say um and just twist it around and make it sound like i'm doing something that is very clearly not what I'm trying to do. I'll say this. I think the internet's undefeated on the internet. <laughs> but in real life, I, I'm not sure the internet's ever won. That's true. That's You know, I think they, the people who are fighting on the internet exist in this world that doesn't actually exist. Yeah. And... You can come to real life and make a much bigger difference. You can, mm -hmm. the people I meet at the crag who want to talk to me are the people who want to have actual discussions, are the people you're looking for okay. in American Climbing Project. The, the people, even though you deliver your product via the internet, hmm. that product gets taken into the real world. Mm -hmm. and discussed amongst friends and partners and gets brought up at gatherings and in the mm -hmm. gym when you're sitting with your friend projecting a boulder. Mm -hmm. That stuff gets brought up and becomes a part of the real world then. Yeah, that's that's a good way to look at it. And that's really the hope is that it it doesn't just live in the virtual world. It's supposed yeah. to be a conversation starter. And that's what every episode is. It's supposed and that's why they're short. They're they're supposed to be like dude, listen to this real quick. Like, tell me what you think. 
Um, and, and you make a good point. Like, I guess I'm, I'm personifying the people that exist on the internet and I'm expecting to run into them at the crag. Right. Um, but the truth is most people are, are braver on the internet than they are in real life. And, and someone who is going to be that like negative about it probably isn't going to be willing to have a conversation about it either. Absolutely. Um, So that's an, that's encouraging to me. It may not be as bad as I think it is. No, and they're going to be naysayers. They're going mm-hmm. to be haters. They're going to be people who won't look past this initial defensiveness they feel, you know? Mm-hmm. And that just always will be for any tough conversation, anything that pushes against the norm, that's going to exist. A hundred percent. Yeah. And and I'm okay with that. Like, I... like. At first, I was worried about it, you know, the the pushback I would get from people that were triggered, but I'm I'm definitely okay with it now because the, I've realized that that's not a that's not my my thing to to handle, and and honestly, like to a point, that's exactly what I want. Like yeah. I'm doing this so that they, that they'll get triggered and have a defensive reaction or have this like not even it doesn't even have to be defensive, but just an emotional response. I think I told you like I wouldn't. If everyone liked this podcast, I would be disappointed. I yeah. would I would consider it a failure, not because it wasn't good, but because the point is for people to have a reaction, not for it to be just labeled as good. Um, and that's true with any art, I think. That's true with music. That's true with visual art. Like, I don't... Even my route setting, I've never liked the feedback, I love this route. Yeah. Some people like Midnight Marauders better than Low End Theory, and they're wrong, but they're entitled to that opinion. (laughs) I totally agree with you on that. So, uh, yeah, you're not going to get any pushback from me because that's my favorite Tribe album. So, yes, you're right. They are wrong. Low End Theory is the best one, but they're entitled to believe that, you know? They can say whatever they want. (laughs) Well, you and I had a lot of conversations in the in the making of American climbing project while you were working on it. And, Mm -hmm. and you kept telling me it's more like a Mm mixtape. And I, I would hear you say that, but I never quite understood it. I never, I never knew exactly where you were headed. And it took a while for a product to happen. And Mm -hmm. I, I just kept sending you, gentle nudging texts like are you working on your project on your podcast today oh boy yeah and then when you did deliver the first half of it to me i was like whoa i i've never heard anything like this and it (laughs) is a blend of a a mixtape and a podcast and a conversation and 20 conversations Mm -hmm. all all happening. It's like you're standing in the middle of this room mm-hmm. listening to, you know, eavesdropping on five or 10 different conversations all happening at once and getting to hear all these interesting perspectives and ideas. And you may not even know the person who's talking, mm-hmm. you're just hearing a perspective. And that's really fascinating to me. And it's uniquely you, it's mm-hmm. rooted in this hip-hop tradition of mixtapes and mm-hmm. this tradition of speaking your your truth but also 
allowing other perspectives to come in and and permeate your work. Right, right. And it also, I think, follows the mixtape tradition of just put it out there. Yeah. Like, when Lil Wayne was going on his drought, like, run, he wasn't, like, he probably wasn't doing multiple takes. He probably wasn't doing a whole lot of tracks. Like, he's probably just rapping and then, like, all right, I'm done. Like, yeah. And that's, that's what I wanted it to feel like. And it's kind of a tough balance. Like, I don't want it to sound unrefined, but I did want it to sound not messy, but blended. Like, like you said, I mean, you described exactly what I wanted. Like I wanted it to feel like you were around the fire pit at Miguel's and you're like, and someone brought this topic up and then now everyone's talking about it. And, um, and, and I wanted to have you hear from multiple people with multiple different takes. Um, and I wanted to have that music, you know, music was supposed to be a big part of it. And, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just I wanted it to feel like a a blend of, you know, different climbers and different perspectives and, you know, maybe not perfect, um, but perfectly imperfect in that sense. Well, I'll tell you one thing that was really interesting for me was I I have like developed the way that I listen to podcasts. I've mm-hmm. developed the way that I listen to music and they're distinctly different. You know, I'm in a different mm-hmm. frame of mind. It's a it's when I'm doing different things. And I turned your podcast on in the way that I normally listen to podcasts mm-hmm. in that mindset. And initially, like for the first mm-hmm. for the first 10 minutes, I was confused i didn't know what to think Mm -hmm. but then i find i found myself going okay here's what's happening here's here's the like pattern here's the theme Mm -hmm. now i'm looking forward to this next time when the music starts playing and i get to hear all these other conversations yeah and and i've picked out this these two voices that i'm interested in Mm -hmm. maybe they're saying something i don't agree with and i'm curious to hear what they say next you know that that threw me a little bit because I've never had that experience listening to a podcast. It mm-hmm. was almost like I was waiting for the Andre 3000 guest verse. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so it was almost like listening to music, yeah, but in a podcast form. That's so cool. I mean, I hope everyone else has that same thought when they listen to it because that's – it was very much – like I wanted it to be show, don't tell. You know, I didn't want to have to – explain to the listener this is how it works i wanted it to be clear in how things were laid out because like you said you know the the music usually cues that you're going to start hearing from different people and then like i mean you know you there's a rhythm right and like you you can start to feel when okay they've been talking like Devin and his guests have been talking for a little while. There's probably going to be up oh, here. It is. I can hear the music. That's the that's the right word. I said pattern. Rhythm is the right word mm-hmm. because podcasts for me have a rhythm that I was ready for. Mm-hmm. I wasn't ready for the rhythm of what you were doing. Yeah, but yeah. I but I found it after a few minutes, and then I then I started it over. Like let me let me listen now that I'm not confused by this structure this rhythm right and also like that that what you just said is exactly what i hope people do in that you're supposed to listen to it multiple times like you you're because when you first listen to it you're probably going to fixate on one or two voices 
Yeah, um, it's well, it's packed. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of information, a lot of perspectives. You know, first time I heard Lil Wayne say "Real G's move in silence like lasagna." <laughs> that's the only thing I heard. It's that's the only so thing true. I remembered from that song. That's so true. And then I had to go back. Mm-hmm. You know. First time I heard scenario, all I remembered was Buster Rhymes. Yeah, yeah. Then I had to go back. You know, that's how music works for me. Mm-hmm. Podcasts don't always work that way for me. Yeah, yeah. Well, and also like that's, I think that's like the hip hop side of it, right? Like the kind of rappers I love to listen to are like that, where you you listen and you get one thing out of it, but then you listen again and you hear something else, and then the five hundredth time you hear, oh yeah. shit, like that related to this and that's exactly i mean it's all it's all rooted in like the hip-hop that i grew up with of just the how it's structured like the listening multiple times and then and then just like playing a little bit into like modern hip-hop where like it's made to be listened to multiple times because it's catchy you know like every song nowadays is like 45 seconds but it's like you know it's jam-packed with you know here's a hook here's like eight lines and then here's a hook again but you want to listen to it multiple times and like that structure that i use i don't think it would work if it was an hour i think it would get too overwhelming yeah um but keeping it you know under ideally under a 30 minute runtime makes it so that it's easy to play it multiple times yeah and you know you know one of the things i really love about hip-hop that I could see this filling the same space mm-hmm. is that if you and I listen to the same song, there's there's going to be a bar in it that you love. Yeah. And there's going to be a different bar that I love. Yeah. Because it speaks to me differently than it speaks to you, to mm-hmm. everybody. And I think this this format has bars that everybody's going to love. Mm-hmm. Everybody's going to find something they love. And then just like we talked about the other day with like Renegade, Eminem and Jay-Z. Mm-hmm. Initially, I was like, oh, M killed Jay on this. Yeah. But now that I'm more mature, now that I'm listening to it with different ears, I'm like, oh, maybe maybe Jay was doing something real special here that we didn't realize or that I didn't realize back then. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that will happen with these episodes as well that I might go back and listen two years from now with a new perspective viewing it through a new lens and relate to somebody else's bars yeah that's the hope too is that as you you know and that's why it's so important to have as many people represented as possible you know one i think there's two things there i think one i want everybody who listens to have a character that they can identify with there there needs to be ideally there would be at least one voice that a listener would like that'd be their home base of like, oh, like that's the person that is saying exactly what I would say or close to it. And then the people that, you know, that they don't necessarily agree with, but but maybe over time they'll see like, oh, it's not that maybe I can kind of see the truth in both of these, even if they don't seem to line up necessarily. Or like maybe your views will change and you'll be like, oh man, I don't know how I identified with this a couple yeah. of years ago, I'm totally over here now. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like, I think that's like the beauty of it is that it will, the listening experience will change for each person over time. Like you, it, there's a lot of replay value there um, for, regardless, you know, and that's why 
that's why like it, you know this it might seem like we're talking about current issues now but that this first season is going to be re- relevant in 10 years like it, it absolutely will, it is it'll still be relevant it'll still be something <clears throat> you can go back to it'll still be something that like you experience someone can find it for the first time and still be mind blown by it that was another thing i i was really concerned with is i wanted it to have longevity well i think it's easy to think that 2020 is when all of these race <laughs> issues happened. Yeah. I hear people reference it as if this is the first time. You know, yeah. Trayvon Martin wasn't murdered in 2020. That was years before. Emmett Till wasn't you know, murdered. Emmett Till wasn't murdered in 2020. This has been happening for for longer, you know, and it's gonna keep happening that way. And we can't we can't leave it in 2020. No. So having that conversation out there as this piece of evergreen media that will always be there that somebody can discover in 2025 mm-hmm. is really important. Yeah. Yeah. I. It's funny. I think I even make a joke about that in the Black Square skit. Yeah, because one of the one of the customer testimonies is like this guy that's like, when racism started three months ago, I, I didn't know what to do about it. <laughs> Like <laughs> exactly, <laughs> yeah. tried everything. <laughs> yeah, um, and yeah, it's it is pretty shocking that some people are just now realizing it. But I don't fault people for that, and I don't think of myself as better than them because there's a lot of things that that I am aware of now that I wasn't aware of five years ago, and I Same. wouldn't want to be faulted for that either. It's not. Yeah, and there was a point at which. I realized it, mm-hmm. you know, the, the Trayvon Martin shooting had a big impact on me mm-hmm. and, and I thought a lot about it at that point. And that might've been my, my bigger entry point. Mm-hmm. And there were lots of people who were there way before I was, mm-hmm. you know, there are people who will be coming in in the future who have a much larger impact than mm-hmm. you or I. And that's totally okay. Mm-hmm. The The point is to finally realize it, to yeah. see it, to work towards something different. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I mean, you always wish people could have figured it out sooner. Yeah. But we're, n- I mean, we're limited. We're limited by our perspective. We're limited by who we grow up around. We're limited by wh- how far we can travel or what we're exposed to. Yeah, And that's why it's so important for me personally and for this podcast that it exposes myself and the listener to as much outside influence as possible. Because for myself, at least, one of my great fears that kind of keeps me up at night is that I am in a bubble and that I'm not being exposed to new perspectives. Right. You know, I don't want to wake up one day and be 60 and my, my grandkids are telling me that I'm like out of it or that like my worldview is, you know, just so behind, but that probably will, it'll happen, happen, but like (laughs) I'm going to do my damnedest to make sure (laughs) that I at least try to keep up, but, but in inevitably, inevitably it will happen. And so I think the the best that I can do is just at least try to keep myself open. Yeah. And and that's the and and actually that's kind of the whole point, right? Is that there is no silver bullet to being human. There's no silver bullet to unconscious bias or or like 
uh, confirmation bias or any of that stuff. That's just like that's the deal we get with this yeah. with this existence. And so it's not a bad thing. It's not your fault. You just need to when I say you, the the collective you, I guess, mm-hmm. we just need to be aware of it and and try to like try to imbibe different perspectives. It doesn't mean that you have to change your mind all the time, but I don't know. I guess I just wouldn't feel comfortable saying like, oh, I think this is right without challenging it, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm curious if your perspective, your stance is also represented in this podcast, in the Mm. American Climbing Project. We don't hear your, your, this, uh, this facilitator in mm-hmm. the podcast. Um, so we don't hear a ton of your direct perspective. And that's on purpose. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely. Do you do you feel like your perspective is being represented? Is it represented in the fact that lots of people are talking? How do you feel about that? I feel like my perspective is represented indirectly in that like, well, two ways. One, because I'm because I'm the one that edits the podcast. Right, you're curating the voices. Yeah, so inevitably my bias, and this is something I'm aware of, is like even if, no matter how hard I try, I'm going to be more biased to certain clips and sure. certain things are going to resonate with me more, which is why, number one, it's, it's good to have someone that listens to it too because he actually tells me, like one of the things that we talked about when I made the first cut is like, he told me that I took too much of my voice out of it. And I was like, I mean, yeah. I'm not saying anything. Why would I leave my voice in there? Yeah. And that was my first criticism. Yeah, you said of that it. too. Yeah, yeah that's a good like, point. I, I want more of you in here. And and it's it's that fear of like, I don't want this to be about me. Like I don't want it to I don't want this to be like I don't I don't know. And obviously people are gonna come to it because of me, but like from my perspective, I want it to be like People are coming to this podcast because they want to hear from the climbing community. And yeah. I'm just like the mediator of the conversation. And I feel like you you may not get like my opinions, but you're getting my perspective in the sense that I'm like you're experiencing these conversations through my eyes because that's kind of what I wanted is I wanted it to be like, you know, if I'm talking to Dom and she says something, I'm going to remember the other nine conversations I had about the same subject and and that is i guess what i'm trying to do is like model critical thinking where like yeah. when you hear something from one person um you play it against all these other you know articles and voices and tv shows and you synthesize a conclusion yeah and and that is up to the listener what conclusion they draw but i'm just trying to teach critical thinking in a way or model it not teach yeah i think it's the difference between like an informed decision and an opinion mm-hmm. you know i have i have opinions about everything mm-hmm. you you bring something up i've never heard of i'm immediately going to form an opinion of some mm-hmm. sort but it's going to take a little longer for me to create an informed decision mm-hmm. and i think that's what this helps people to find we all have an opinion about it we all have experienced it to some degree you know some in a far more visceral way than others 100 percent. and we formed an opinion this helps 
people be a little more informed of other perspectives. Yeah, yeah. And it and as much as I can in 30 minutes, it preserves the nuances of perspectives because there's some people in the, um, that talk that sort of agree, but it's not 100%, or they might, they might want the same end goal, but they're approaching it from different angles, and it might sound like they disagree. Um, and that, and you, you even hinted at this earlier, and we've been talking about this so much in the past couple of weeks, but I feel like modern discourse on, especially on the internet loses so much nuance. Yeah. You know, things have to be, things have to be shortened to fit a character count. They have to be distilled into their strongest forms to, to be stickier. Um, and so like you might hear someone's opinion but they're taking away all of the the nuances and those things I just explained, like they might have a, a similar goal, but they're approaching it differently and you'll lose either one of those um, and it makes it sound totally different. You know, I don't know if, I don't know if other people experience this, but I feel like I've, especially this year, I've met so many people on the internet and I've had so many deep conversations. And now that I'm uh, able to, meet people in person i'm meeting them in person and they're totally not like how they are on the internet right it's it's right and not it's not that they're not the same person but it's just that like their their nuance isn't preserved in the internet even in deep conversation right like, absolutely and that's insane to me that's and so if you can have like open if i can have open deep conversations with people virtually and then meet them in person and feel like i'm meeting a different person imagine <laughs> imagine all the arguing that people do like they're not even really they're arguing with like shadow versions of people well i think you know as as someone who's interviewed a lot of people mm -hmm. i learn a lot by watching someone struggle for the right thing to say yeah and yeah. when it's when the only interaction you're having is a curated typed out conversation mm -hmm. where they've written something deleted it, written it again, deleted it, written it again, you know, there's none of this, uh, hmm, no, that's yeah. not the right word. There's none of that. There's none of the thoughtfulness that happens when you're struggling for the right thing to say or searching for the right words. Mm -hmm. And that becomes a collaborative process between people. Yeah. If I'm having a conversation with you and you're, I see you searching for a word, I start trying to help you search yeah. for it. And it becomes this collaboration between two people, and you start to understand each other better in those moments. I, That's my opinion. No, I agree. And you don't get that on the internet. It's this dry, written out, curated thing, well, edited then, thing. And then also like when you read someone's text, you're reading it through from, your lens. From your lens. So yep. like you're, you're, you're going to put inflections where you expect them to be you're right, going to emphasize right. on and even like voice messages because sometimes like sometimes i mean i i talk a lot so sometimes i prefer to send voice messages over instagram or even like my phone as opposed to like typing it and i even like do those over where like i'll start saying something and then like i won't like it and i'm just like i'm just gonna delete this and do it again so even that is curated <laughs> and speaking even, of which remind me to play you a voicemail mario left me 
because it's hilarious and I saved it to my phone because it's so funny. If if we were gonna do like a top five dead or alive voicemails, you you couldn't <laughs> Mario Stanley could not be not left out of that kind. Con- he could be left out of that. I saved it because I wanna use it in a ballad or bullet song dude oh my god that's like (laughs) i don't okay so kendrick wasn't the first to do that but i love that like using real voicemails yeah and um i actually did it on one of my um earlier earlier music projects um where like i took different voicemails from like my friends or or girls that i dated or my parents Mm -hmm. even and just like they it just works so well because because it is real like it, it they weren't recording it thinking like oh this is going to be a skit or an interlude um and that's what makes it feel kind of i don't know curated in well and sense. that's the like you by by taking mario's voicemail and putting it on a ballad or bullet song mm-hmm. i've taken it out of its context mm-hmm. and it's people are free to take it how they want you mm-hmm. know and I, I know there's so much humor in this. I can put it there and it'll be this hilarious thing. But it's the same thing with the internet. You know, you you take this typed out thing and as soon as that person hits send, context is basically it's removed, gone. you know? Yeah. Anybody can come there and look at their Instagram post and not have a clue what the context is because it exists in this one space. Yeah. 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 And, and I mean, like you said, even if you're, even if someone like types it out to what they deem to be a perfect standard of like, I communicated exactly what I wanted to communicate. There's still that receiving portion of communication. Like you, it still needs to be heard. It needs to be processed. And that person's perspective is different. So they will latch on to certain things more than others. They might have different associations with words you know, like different words connote different feelings for people. So that's why, yeah, I don't know. That's why it's so important to just keep having these conversations, I feel like, is that you you forget, um, especially virtually, you forget how much that, like, there's humans on the other sides of these. Yeah, and I think it's really important to keep in mind that all of the voices you hear in episode one mm-hmm. of the American climbing project, none of those voices have it figured out. Mm -hmm. We're all in the process of figuring it out. Mm -hmm. You know, Dom Davis, who's the main character of of this episode, while she's brilliant, doesn't have it all figured out. Mm -hmm. She'll, she'll change her mind about things. She'll grow. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's really important to remember. We also listen to, created media and we immediately think this person's in my phone talking so they're an expert yeah you know yep. and we're all just people trying to figure this thing out yeah yeah and and that's the thing is like that the fact that none of us have it figured out is not a bad thing it's right it is like the thing it's yep. the reason why if we had it figured out i wouldn't be having these conversations there would be no point because we have it all figured out, you know, right. like there would be, there would just be no reason. And like the, that's what makes it brilliant. And that's why having multiple perspectives that all, it just, you can, I don't know. I always think of something one of my mentors said to me is like, there's your side, there's my side and there's the truth. And I feel like the more perspectives I take in, the closer I get 
to whatever my truth is. Right. We're we're all somewhere on this path between I just realized racism exists mm-hmm. to complete enlightenment. You know, <laughs> don't say that. <laughs> we're gonna... all we're all somewhere in that spectrum. You're gonna you're gonna make people think that enlightenment in racism is possible. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. That, like someone someone just heard that and was like, "Oh shit!" So I can I can ten thousand hours. I'm gonna be enlightened. Maybe I just need to read White Fragility one more time. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I just. <laughs> Oh my god! But I, your your point still stands. But I just, sorry, I couldn't help it. I couldn't help it. Somewhere between racism exists and enlightenment. <laughs> there's my way, and there's the white way to do it. There's, there's the wrong way and the white way. See, the, this is how those skits come about. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my God. Yeah. There's something in there. And that, but that's exactly what I'm talking about right there is like a lot of, a lot of the skits come from conversations. Yeah. That's the, that's the beauty of this. And that's why I don't see it being a me thing is eventually I'm going to have people messaging me, emailing me. Like I had this idea, I had this idea and I'm not going to need to create content i'm just gonna need to pay people for content yeah and i become the mediator i'm not the one that's i mean i still want to make skits and i still want to you know do do all of the steps but but eventually that's how i see it becoming like i see it being a thing where like oh me and my friends were we listened to this episode and we were talking we had this hilarious idea and then they send it to me and i'm like dope how much you want for it you know (laughs) like yeah. I'll make it like I'll produce it. I've got the skills. You've got the idea. I'll make it happen. And that's kind of like, I mean, I think you relate to that too. Of I mean, you have this platform. You're, you're a very good interviewer. Like you have the, the storytelling ability, but, but the stories are not, you're not always telling your story. You're, you're trying to help other people tell theirs. Yeah. And that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to tell the climbing community story. And it, and even just like when you have conversations about race or gender, you can't tell a perspective that's like, we've got it all figured out because the climbing community does not have it all figured out. Or anybody else. Right. And like, I, it would not be responsible of me to say, this is representative of the climbing community and all I, and I only interviewed black people or I only interviewed quote unquote woke white people because most climbers aren't that like most right you know and that's that actually i just realized this by saying that out loud but that was the problem i had with climbing media in the first place is i felt like it was representative of the one percent of the one percent like it was only telling the story of superman and captain america yeah and that was it and i'm like what about batman what about green lantern what about all the other heroes that have different powers, that have different backstories, you know, like that, that have different efficacy? Like there's not every situation requires a Superman, you know, you don't need, yeah, you don't need Superman to, to get a cat out of a tree or like, right. you, you know, like it's, it, everyone has a purpose. And, and I feel like climbing media was treating it like, only the the first descenders and the free soloers and the elite comp athletes have a story that's worth telling and that's ridiculous like that's just not true um 
And, and it's less relatable. It's so much frankly. less re- relatable. That's why, like, and, and you know, I, I always feel bad because I like dosage just as much as everyone else. Like, when I first started climbing, we we had we had dosage one through five on DVD. I've got them on the shelf right up there. Do you really? Yeah. The, oh, the set. Um. Oh, I see it. I see it, <laughs> dude. Yeah. So we. I can't even. I've probably watched dosage more times than I've listened to the college dropout, and that's a lot for, right, for reference. Right. Right. <laughs> um. But because we always had it playing, and and I would get so psyched watching people try these crazy things and like deep water soloing and like, um. So I have an appreciation for it. You know, I love it. But I don't know, like, at a certain point, there's only so many times I can watch the film Shirtless White Guy Climbs Hard in California mm-hmm. or Shirtless White Guy Climbs Hard in Spain. Like, it's it's like Call of Duty, dude. Like, they just keep, like, updating the the weapon, the gear, <laughs> and then, like, oh, well, now it's in Russia instead of, instead of Germany. And it's the same story. <laughs> Yeah. And so like that that was something I wanted to avoid with this too is I wanted it to tell the story of all climbers and I didn't want it to just be a like here's a black guy telling you why climbing is racist. I wanted it to be here let's have a conversation about how race has impacted climbing. Maybe you don't think it it's impacted it at all. I don't agree. It doesn't mean that I should shut out your opinion though. You deserve a voice just like I do. Um I appreciate that the voices in it are real people interacting with this in mm-hmm. real time mm-hmm. and not not just scholars who've thought deeply about this right. for a long time and are so far beyond where the rest of us are in the spectrum that we feel like we can't relate to it or we have so much catching up to do that we don't know where to start. Yeah, that it wouldn't it wouldn't serve its purpose if that's what I did. Yeah. You you need to you need to have a character in the story that you can identify with. And if if I'm just talking to a bunch of doctorate studies and, you know, uh black history or like people that have read all the books or or done all the things, you're still going to feel like this is unattainable. You're going to feel like I feel when I watch Don Wall. I love Don Wall, but I'm just saying that like I'm not looking at what they're doing and going, yeah, like eventually I'm going to like, there's just nothing. I can't really pull a whole right. lot from it. I mean, I can pull some things from it. It's, I guess free solo is a better example where I can't like, I'm not looking at free solo and being like, yeah, this applies. There's so much in my life that applies to this. Like I right. get, I've learned a lot about myself <laughs> and so it, it wouldn't serve its purpose if I just got a bunch of people that weren't. You know, you know what I just realized too is that like when I asked people to be like if they wanted to be guests on the show, well, and this is this is something that only happened with white guests is a lot of them were like, I don't know if I'm the best person to be interviewed mm. for this, and that was how I knew they were the exact person I wanted is um, is someone that was reticent to it, maybe a little uncomfortable that didn't feel like they knew what they were doing. I was like, no, you're exactly who I want. I don't want. I don't want the person who ha- who thinks they already know the answers necessarily or is comfortable in these conversations because if you're comfortable in them something's missing. Something has to be missing. I don't know. It's Do you get what I'm saying? I I feel like if you if you feel comfortable or you're like, "Yeah, I'll talk," especially as a white person where it's like, "Yeah, I'll I'll talk about this, no problem." Like that's kind of a like, "Huh. Why do you feel that way?" Well, I think that's what this entire podcast you know 
220 of the 230 episodes mm-hmm. are about, you know, get uncomfortable, sit in that space for a while, try to understand what it means for you, get a little more comfortable, get a little further along the spectrum, and then get uncomfortable again, and yep. then again, and then again. And eventually, you start to love this learning process, and you love getting into those uncomfortable spaces, and it's one of my favorite things to do now. Yeah. You know? I don't know if you did this on or thought about this or did this on purpose, but for everyone that's that tells you like stick to climbing or like this is out of your element, I feel mm. like this is the most natural transition for what you talk about, where you've always you've built your training like philosophy and communication style around I'm not bullshitting you, like you are going to be uncomfortable. Yeah. The, and and so like it seems like the most natural transition for you to have these sorts of conversations because it's the exact same philosophy. It's the exact same way that you would approach training for climbing of like yeah. I'm going to be uncomfortable. You got to grow your comfort circle and then step outside it again. When people again. tell me stick to climbing, I'm just like I am. This Yeah. <laughs> this is Climb is life, bro. Like, you know, <laughs> this is climbing. This is the climbing community. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And that's, it, but again, I think that that is a result of how climbing me- uh, media has curated yeah. the way people think about climbing. They think of it as like <sighs> this precious, special thing that was written down by, by the founding fathers of rock climbing. And it's, it exists in a vacuum. Nothing has affected it. And, you're not supposed to critique it, and this you're just supposed to do what other climbers do, um, and yeah, like there's just there's no thought about. Have you ever considered that like climbing is affected, that even your climbing is, is affected by your life? Yeah, and that it's like, why we make amendments to the Constitution. Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I God, dude, I I don't I've never understood that. Like, well, this was written four hundred years ago, obviously they had the forethought to think about the internet and like all the problems we would have today. Right. Like the like the people that sat down and wrote the constitution for the United States were like, yeah, this will this will apply when they have self-driving cars. <laughs> like I think this will still work. <laughs> it'll still work out when Jeff Bezos is born and yeah, like it'll still make sense. <laughs> yeah. Things change, they have to and and I appreciate you being a voice in the midst of change Mm -hmm. you being a a journalist of people experiencing and working through change Mm -hmm. and letting us see bits of yourself through change i feel like if somebody wanted to look at the growth of devin dabney they could look at your climbing music Mm -hmm. listen to it listen to your to your other music listen to ballad or bullet listen to the american climbing project and they get to see devin dabney's growth as well yeah you know that i think that's important it's important for me Mm -hmm. it's important for everyone else to be able to see with you putting your voice out there as as a creator mm-hmm. in this space. And you get to see like 
one thought I had is you get to see that some things don't change. I yeah. still believe yeah. in showing up as you are. I still believe in being being my authentic self and knowing that I don't have it figured out any more than I did a few years ago. And we've even talked about this with music. I used to be afraid of people going back to my old music and judging, you know, because stuff gets taken out of context and like things don't get judged by the current or they always get judged by the current time. So like, right. Like if you said something, you know, a hundred years ago, it it gets judged like it was written in 2021. Right. And so I was afraid that like people would listen to my music and like, look and listen to what he said about women. And like, but, but that's the other thing too, is that you get to see that I am not perfect and that I did have some things that I would not say now that I said 10 years ago. And I had some views that I don't agree with now t- that I had 10 years ago. We all do. And, and so, you know, it's really easy to cr- critique people that put themselves out there because that's forever, man. Like your music is going to exist forever in the ether of the internet. And, you know, people have your tapes and that's not a bad thing. I right. used to think it was a bad thing because it's like, oh, well, now my mistakes are are out for the world to see. But I mean, ironically, that hasn't changed. But the way I look at it is, has changed. Where I'm like, oh, like, yeah, my mistakes are out for everyone to see. Go ahead. Like, <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. that's the point. Like, you're, I'm, I'm not coming to you like, I don't even think I'm the best person to host this show. But that's the point. Like, if I feel like if I thought... I were the best person that I probably am not the best person. So that's the idea to me, at least. Yep. I, I appreciate your thought in all of this and in the creation of what the, all the things you make. I appreciate getting to be a collaborator with you. (laughs) It's a, I'm getting more out of it than you are. (laughs) I don't know if that's true, but we can, we can fight about that on a different episode. See, like we don't, yeah, we, we can disagree (laughs) and we're still going to be friends and and you're still going to be my mentor. See, like, look at that. Look at how that works. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, let everybody know where they can find everything. Ooh, I can finally say this AmericanClimbingProject.com. That is where you will find all our socials, all of our, um, you can listen to us wherever podcasts are available, but all the links will be there. You can find the blog there, which is amazing. Rob does an amazing job with research. And uh, you can also find like where you, if you want to give us money. (laughs) Yeah. And you should. It's a valuable conversation and that's how it's going to continue. You should. Yeah. And if I can sway some people by saying this, um, if you give to the Patreon, that money goes directly back into the podcast. That money will never go to me or Rob or any of the hosts, unless it's like someone we're like commissioning for a season. Like we need to figure all that out. But the, but the point I'm trying to make is that all the money that we're getting from Patreon goes directly back into paying our guests, paying our, um, like, you know, sending people the equipment so that they can record. Like we really want to start sending people mics yep. so that they can have good quality um, recordings, paying people that give us ideas for skits, paying our writers for the blog. All of that is like the more we get on the Patreon, that is going to like expand the podcast, um, like the production and the ability to get a bigger reach. So please consider it. <laughs> yeah. Listen, listen to it. Listen to it again. 
send it to your friends have mm-hmm. conversations about it mm-hmm. reach out to Devin and Rob through the website mm-hmm. to have conversations with them whether you agree don't agree whatever this thing is supposed to be a conversation and, absolutely and yeah. thank you for hosting that conversation thank you for helping me get to this point <laughs> As of today, episode three of the American Climbing Project has dropped a couple of days ago. Actually, if you have not been listening, you should definitely do that. This community needed Devin's voice, and I'm so glad that it's out there. I hope that this episode gives you a little more of Devin that we don't get from the American Climbing Project. He is a truly generous beautiful thoughtful maybe the most thoughtful soul that i've ever come into contact with and wildly creative um i love it because this is my podcast i'm going to refute devin's claim again at the end of that episode i am the one getting the most out of this collaboration there it said It's done, period. All right, links to the American Climbing Project are right there in your show notes. You should absolutely go check out their blog. The blog is a treasure trove of education. Go there and learn. If it's the only place you go on the internet to learn this month, it will be well worth it, so do it. Links right there in your show notes, in your pocket supercomputer. We are a proud member of the Plugtone Audio Collective, along with American Climbing Project and Sins and Suffers. You all know where to find us, powercompanyclimbing.com. You can find us on the Facebooks, the Instagrams, the Pinterest, the Pinstagrams, the YouTubes, the all the damn places. We're on all of them, but not Twitter, because we don't tweet. We scream like eagles. This time, 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 this time,